0: Hello, good afternoon, good morning to everyone tuning in to the show once again. I am your host, Tavares Wilson, and I always get the last word. And today, we're going to jump right into the NFL and NBA news, as you all know. And we're going to start off with how the Carolina Panthers has fired their general manager, and it's just, it just shows, to me, it shows that a lot of teams are done entirely to be mediocre. You see it with the Falcons, you see it with Houston, and you see it with two other teams I can't recall right now, but now it is five total teams who have now fired or let go or parted ways or whatever way you want to describe it with their general managers. And to me, it just shows that teams are ready to start that new era. Like the new age for their team Like they don't want to be mediocre anymore They don't want to be the guys who are the laughing stock of their divisions or Whatever the case may be They want to be one of the teams that finishes Out of the best of seven in that conference They want to be in that conversation Now will it pan out? I'm not sure, only time can tell I think the Panthers have a lot of talent though I like Teddy Bridgewater. I like Robbie Anderson. I was surprised how small his interests from other teams were. I mean, he didn't get signed until late in free agency, to be honest. DJ Moore is a very good young receiver. I thought he was coming out of college already. He's just now starting to really find that niche and find his groove with Teddy. You know, no off-season, no preseason. It's it's hard, man. I mean, everything you were doing the virtual, you're learning a new offense virtually. So, it's just, it was just another challenge for those guys. But they're, it's just like it was everyone else in the league. They're, but they're starting to slowly find their footing with one another. And I honestly just thought that this was perfect timing for the Panthers to move on, to start a new. I mean, you got your new young receivers, your young new quarterback. You already had the running back. Your defense is young. I mean, you drafted nothing but defensive players this draft. Secondary, we're talking about Jeremy Chin. Then you got up front, their first pick. I mean, it's just with Brown, it's just a lot of things that they have, man. I mean, I, and I like Brown coming out of Auburn. I thought he was the by far the best interior lineman, by far, and wasn't close. So, they have a lot of talent, man. Brian Burns. Shaq Thompson, who I still think is very underrated at his position, at the linebacker position, but they have a lot of talent, and they could grow from it. Now, in other news, as you all probably have seen, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is out for the remainder of the regular season with a hip and ankle injury. Terrible news for him. I hope, wish him a speedy recovery. I hope the best for him. But to be honest with you, I don't think the Chiefs are going to lose a step because, They have Le'Veon Bell, who was starting to increase snaps week by week. And he was starting to take over that starting position, it seemed like, just a little bit. But now this just amplifies his carries and touches now. It just means that he's going to be more of a vocal point in the offense. They want they don't want to be one-dimensional. The Chiefs don't want to be one-dimensional, even though they can be, because they have that type of talent when it comes to playmakers and receiving threats. I mean, they have a guy, Travis Kelsey, who has a, a legitimate chance to be the first Titan ever to lead the league in NFL receiving yards, and not only do that, but he can, he can, like, make history in two different ways. He can be the First tight end to do what I just said, and he can also be the tight end who leads the league in NFL history for most receiving yards from a tight end, which which is absolutely crazy to me, man. I mean, he's a guy who is honestly just a difference maker. It's like what a lot of people say. He's the meaty potatoes and he is like he's the nitty-gritty. He's the one that's the chain mover. He's the one that's gonna get the yard, the yard yards at the contact. He's that. You know Tyreek Hill is the explosive often over the top guy he's gonna make sure you play at least one deep he's going to take someone else out of position to help set up other guys he he just demands that kind of respect he's that type of player and you know honestly man I just don't see him taking a step back because Clyde ever hilarious out I, I did I do believe he's the best running back in his draft class. I said that when he was drafted a lot of people was how J.K. Dobbins or Jonathan Taylor, like you know, those of the world. But me, I thought Klaus Edward Hilaire was the best guy in this draft. And it's starting it was starting to show, especially when he was, I believe, top three at one point in rushing yards for running backs this season. But playing with an offense like the Chiefs, we knew that was gonna last long because they, they they wanna air it out, man. Let's just be honest. They want to throw the ball, they want to be that team that Suffocates you with the amount of yards and points they can put up in such little time But I honestly think they won't miss a beat And I'm going to just get over into what I believe is in other NFL news That is an interesting story to me man I want to start talking about Mitch Trubisky, man. These past, I want to say three games, even though they lost one of them. They won two straight now. They just beat the Minnesota Vikings. Mitch has looked solid. I mean, he has five. In, in the past three games, he has five TDs to one interception. He's completing over, I think, 63. He's completing 63% of his passes. He's throwing for almost 335 yards in that three-game stretch. And like I said, he has a 5-1 interception ratio, so hasn't looked terrible, hasn't looked excellent, but he's he's doing enough to keep them in games and win games. Now, with that being said, do I believe they should hold on for another year with Mr. Biscuit? No. Simply put, any Bears fan. Any football fan, any Mitch fan, whoever wants to believe that three games just automatically resurrects his career or, you know, make him out to be something that he's obviously not, which is a consistent quarterback. Nope. It does not fix anything. He's looked okay. He looks like he's a rookie quarterback in his, what, this is his fourth year? He. Third year, fourth year, third it's one of them. He he looks like a rookie. I don't want, a, a, a you know, a guy who's been in the league long enough to understand certain coverages now to look like a rookie. I mean, you got Justin Herbert and Tua Tagovailoa and Joe Burrow out here putting up his numbers in better some weeks. I don't want you to look like those guys. These guys are playing for the first time. You have been playing for almost four years now. Look like a fourth-year guy. Don't look like the first year guy with promise. I don't need to see promise. I need to see results. You would they traded up for you to get you specifically. They could have got Deshaun Watson. Could have got Patrick Mahomes. I mean, they they had they they had their choices, man. But they took Mitch Trubisky, so they have to live with Mitch Trubisky. Now, do I think they continue to live with him? No. After this season, I think he's I think his time in Chicago is done. I think they go out and get a guy. I think they draft one. They move up in the draft. They might use Mitch as a training piece. Who knows? I don't know. But after this season, I definitely don't see Mitch in the Chicago's. Uniform. I don't even see him as a starter in the league anymore. If I'm being honest, I I thought he never should have been taken that high. I thought he was kind of, not even kind of. He was a heavy reach for the Bears at the two spot coming out of UNC. I mean, it's (laughs) it's just it's laughable, not mad because literally everyone knew this was how it was going to pan out, except for the Chicago Bears, and it's quite sad, honestly. But I think I think Mitch's time In Chicago is over man I think it's time For those guys To realize What they have And take what Take count You know Just cut your losses While you can And To me It just says A lot about this team And They just need To learn more About themselves And They need to just Find their identity I think right now Matt Nagy They're HC, I don't know if he truly knows what this team is on the offensive side. I don't think he knows that. and it's. I know it's frustrating as a Chicago Bears fan, and it has to be frustrating as a player as well, because I mean, think about it. They have all pro after all pro on the defensive side talent. Khalil Mack, Eddie Jackson, Danny Trevathan, you know, Raquan Smith. You know, you got They had Alvin, not Alvin Kamara, Bruce Amakamaru. (laughs) They had him at one point. They got Kyle Fuller. You you have guys on the defensive side that can help you win a championship. And you have not even won a playoff game yet. At some point, man, you have to realize you need to fix the other side of the ball. And it's not like they don't have the talent. I think Allen Robinson is a really legit number one in this league. I like Taylor Gabriel. I don't think they had Taylor Gabriel anymore, but I like Anthony Miller. I thought Cordell Patterson was a good Man. little Swiss Army type of gadget player that they use at receiving and running back. I, I think you need all of that in a successful offense to me. They have all of that, and they just have not panned it out, and it makes no sense to me that they have not because they have all the talent. You can blame quarterback play, like I already said, I don't think Mitch was good. I don't think he is good. I don't think he will be consistently good. He may have stretches, but he's not going to be a guy that I'm going to write home to saying that, you know, this is our guy. No, that's not him. But the the OC, the offensive play calling and the scheme that you're running is a problematic as well, man. Because Nick Foles, in his, his games that he played, he looked absolutely horrible. I mean, outside of the Atlanta game, he came in and helped them win. Yeah, what other game can you point to that say, man, Nick Foles actually played good? I can't think of one. I can't. Even despite the fact that they beat Tampa Bay, I can't think of another game that Nick Foles legitimately looked like, you know what? That's our guy. This is the guy we could build around. This is the guy that could help us win a playoff game or two within the next two, three years. I haven't seen it out of no quarterback in Chicago right now. And another thing that I wanted to just elaborate on, in the NBA news, I'm going to move over to transition over, is this James Harden debacle, this whole situation, man. I see reports saying that the Denver Nuggets and the Houston Rockets are in serious deep talks about moving James Harden. For Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. And a plethora of first-round draft picks. Listen, I'm going to say this. And hopefully someone in Denver (laughs) hears this. Because, listen, man. As big as a star James Harden is, he's easily a top-ten player in the NBA. He's easily, arguably, a top-five player. He's an MVP, so on and so forth. He's all that. An assist leader, a scoring leader. He, he's a better defender than people give him credit for. He's all that. I give him that. But if you trade two young, very promising pieces who just helped you get to the Western Conference Finals when many thought you weren't even supposed to be there, if you trade those two young pieces, for James Harden, who play style completely does not dwell at all with your system, then to me you just are you're just taking fifty steps back. It's not that he can't play well with Jokic, because James Harden is a playmaker. He's a playmaker. He can make plays. He's a shooter. Jokic can dish the ball. It could work, but the the amount of the man he has for the ball will only take the ball out of Jokic's hands, who is their best playmaker. And if James Harden's coming up, maybe he becomes their best playmaker. I don't know. I don't know if they want their... They may want to assess the way they actually want their guard running the offense. But to me, that hasn't worked for you. So why switch it? You were one series away from becoming... Not only representing the Western Conference Finals, but you probably would have been a series away from winning the NBA Championship. I would have picked the Nuggets to win the Finals if they would have went against the Heat. I just would have. I don't think. I think Bam Adebayo is a very good defender, but he's not a seven footer. I don't see him holding Jokic. Jimmy looked good all NBA defender, but the way the way Jamal Murray was playing, man, I don't. I don't think anyone in the bubble wanted to see him on any given night. So to me, man, it's honestly just confusing to why they would even like why they would even engage in these trade talks with two young guys who are showing so much promise, especially Jamal Murray. Like it Jamal Murray is what? I think 25, 24, maybe. He's no older than 26. He's no older than that, man. I mean, you, you have a young combo guard who can score at any given position and anywhere on the floor and you're going to trade that for a guy who is obviously at this point becoming a cancer as much as I hate to say it because I'm I'm supportive of James Harden I'm not necessarily a fan but I do think he gets a bad rep a guy who's becoming a cancer and also a guy who is his play style will completely change the look of your offense you're going to give that a. You already lost Jeremy Grant, who I thought was big for you. Now you're going to let go of Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. For what? I don't know, man. I, I just don't. I just don't understand the logic behind that, man. I mean, if the now if the if the Rockets pull it off, to me, they just put off a huge heist. Even despite the fact that they have John Wall already, to me, like I already said, Jamal Murray is a combo guard. He's truly a shooting guard playing. The point guard position, he's just a bit undersized. But in our lead, it's it's undersized people at every position in the league. And I mean, I.T. at point guard is undersized. Jamar Green, that powerful, undersized. C.J. mccullum at shooting guard, undersized. You know, it's it's plenty of guys in the league that are undersized at their position. So throwing him in at the shooting guard position wouldn't be the end of the world. And to be honest with you, he's not that huge of a liability on the defensive end. I mean, is he an all-NBA caliber defender? No, but he he gives effort on that end, and that's all you want out of a player at the end of the day on the defensive end. You want effort. You just want them to be in position and to, in all honesty, show that they're willing to get dirty, and he's willing to do that. I mean, he's not the best at it, but he's willing to do it. And that's all you want at the end of the day out of those guys on that end of the floor. And as we all know, the NBA season is approaching. We had the Golden State Warriors against the Nets coming up and also the Battle of L.A. once again. <laughs> Los Angeles Lakers defending champs against the L.A. Clippers, who many thought were... Would have been the champs or at the very least would have been in the Western Conference Finals. But we all know that's not how it panned out. And unfortunately for the Clippers, man, I think this year is make a break for them, man. They don't win it all this year. I think Kawhi walks. I think he absolutely walks. I don't think he stays. They, they just sealed up PG. So they still will have him, but... If Kawhi walks, man, that's that's the end of their championship aspirations altogether. If Kawhi leaves, I that's that's just my honest opinion. I think PG has not shown in the recent memory that he is a guy you can build a a championship caliber of a team around because of his inefficiency in the playoffs and his and his inability to in all honesty say stay healthy. I mean Coming into the bubble before all this COVID stuff had started happening, he said that he was 100% healthy. You know, the shoulders felt good. You know, he felt more agile and loose than he has in all season. Then turning all that around just to be icing his shoulders after a bad game. I don't know if it was used as a cop out, excuse, whatever, but. It just hasn't looked good for PG, man. And I like PG, man. I, th- I think he's a very talented guy. I think he's someone who can be that number one that you need. But to me, he has the tools and the skills. So he just doesn't have the mentality. And that is more important than any, any physical tool that you can possess in your bag. And look, the perfect example of this to me is Anthony Davis. Despite the fact that AD was clear cut the best big man in the league for what the past, what I want to say, five years now, despite the fact that he was the best big for about a long stretch of period in New Orleans, he couldn't win anything. He couldn't. I mean, look at it. I mean, he couldn't win a playoff series, 1 1 his time there, his tenure there. He couldn't develop a good relationship with other players. I mean, DeMarcus Cousins left because he didn't see promise in the organization. Drew Holiday, he didn't want to be there at the AD level because he was like, well, this is the only other guy that was really here promising. Who was here?" So a lot of guys just didn't want to play for New Orleans. When, I, when you talk about the AD or the organization, I think it goes hand-in-hand. Because I think playing with long LeBron James helped him. You know what? I could finally take this step back. You deal with the media criticism and all that jazz. Me, I'm just going to play. You know, despite the fact if I play a bad game, yeah, they're going to question me. Yeah, they're going to be like, so what, what it was tonight. Because at the end of the day, I'm a top 10 player. But it's not going to be nearly as hectic for me as it is for you. So... I take that responsibility. You go on, and you know, you finish off that, and I'll be perfectly fine with that. All right. So now we are gonna get into the fans Q and A, guys. This part I'm not gonna do a video because I have the questions on my phone. So I'm gonna just do this for audio. So we're gonna take a little brief little break, and I'm gonna come right back. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm back. Thank you all for being patient with me and. Now we're gonna get into the fans Q and A. So this first question comes from Daniel Huckinson. I'm sorry, man, if I butcher your name, but can the Kansas City, can the Tennessee win AFC, the AFC? And my Super Bowl predictions. Well, for starters, can the Tennessee Titans win the AFC? I think I I don't know, man, because. If they still had the same a defense That they had last year I would have gained them a legit shot Because I think As long as you could control possession Time of possession, which they can Because of Derrick Henry, of course And they have two really, really good Receivers to me And and Corey Davis And A.J. Brown I think John Smith is an under very underrated tight end In this league, extremely athletic dude Very good, reliable hands And he's Versatile, he can do the George Kittle and Travis Kelsey type of things. So they have the playmakers on the offensive side. To me, it's the defensive side that concerns me the most, man. I I just don't know if I can truly believe in that defensive side of the ball anymore. First of all, they can't generate... no pass rush whatsoever Even despite the fact they signed Devion Clowney Who has been nothing but a disappointment for them I mean, he, he's been hurt He he has no sacks on the season Let me repeat that for those who did not miss that part And <laughs> miss how crucial that is For a guy who wants to make pretty much quarterback money Has zero sacks on the season Now we have that out of the way it's hard for me to say that these guys are legitimate contenders in the AFC. I think they can honestly be upset in the first round because of their defense. Like, if they would have had the defense that they had last year, I would I would write them to be a dark horse to win it all. But they just don't, and I don't I don't understand what has happened because the talent is still there. I know they've been having some injuries. I know what Dory Jackson has missed time. I know Jadamia Clowney, despite the fact that I just grilled him, has missed time. I mean, he's still a presence. And it's just hard, man. I mean, they, they went out and they traded for Desmond King. And it's still and it still doesn't look good. So to me it's just it just has to be more consistent on that side of the ball. It just has to be. This next question comes from Sway Lewis. Why can't the Seahawks never cover against sorry teams? Well, this is more like a a betting question. But to me, the Seahawks' problem, I'm looking at it from this perspective. The Seahawks' problem is they play down to their opponents. I mean, people accuse the Steelers of this for years, which they still do in my opinion. But... The Seahawks play down to the opponents. They don't play to their talent level some games. And I think they come in with a mentality, of, oh, this is this team, man. This is, he chalked this up as an easy dub. Not to say that, that that's how they prepare or how they are coached, but their mentalities, I believe that's where it be. And also, to be honest with you, the defense is just horrible, man. The defense is historically bad. Despite the fact that they went out and got Jamal Adams, they had Bobby Wagner, Shaquille Griffin, Quentin Dunbar came back out of his legal allegations. Despite all these guys being there, they can't generate a pass rush. I mean, it's gotten a little better since they went out and got Carlos Dunlap. But to be honest with you, how much better has it gotten? Not that much. I mean, Alex Smith plays this game, who knows, to be honest with you. Who knows, to be completely honest. And even despite all that, I think the Seahawks' biggest problem, why they can't cover or why they don't live up to the expectations against better or lesser teams is because their defense isn't as good as we thought it would be, and they play down to their opponents. And in all honesty, I'm starting to think the league has their offense figured out. Because Russell Wilson isn't exactly lighting the league on fire anymore. And all that came with tape and time. So, we'll see. Next question comes from Larry Green Jr. Who is your dark horse for both the AFC and the NFC? Okay. So, my dark horse for the AFC... I know this is going to sound crazy to a lot of people, (laughs) but I'm going to go with the Miami Dolphins, man. I don't listen to me. I'm a Dolphins fan, but I am one of the most unbiased and I am one of the most hardest critics on this team. But with that being said, if they can find a consistent run game like they just found against the Patriots, they don't even need to rush for 250, I think it was 253 yards that they ran for. They don't need to do that. They don't. If they can just get a consistent threat, like say you get a guy to run for, I don't know, 20 carries for 90 yards, something around there. If you can get that consistently, at least around those type of numbers, this offense, once Gizeki, Parker, all these guys come back, would Open up so much, man. Like it people don't understand how much a good running game can open up an offense, man. Even because look at the game against the Patriots. Despite the fact that their best receiving option was maybe Lynn Bowden and Mac Hollins. Despite all that, Tua had very good S ass- accessible, easy reads and throws because the running game works so well. Now imagine that with his actual playmakers. Where he could take the shots downfield or throw these deeper routes. Man, listen. They could develop that, and this line could continue to develop like I said it would because it's young. Sky's the limit, man. So I pit the Dolphins for a dark horse. It's a long shot, a real long shot, but I pit him for a dark horse. And my dark horse in the NFC... This is kind of tough because I feel as if the NFC. I think we know what we have, but I'm I'm a I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna say the Arizona Cardinals. And I say that because I think their defense is starting to get a little better. I don't think it's not as nearly as good as I thought it would be. Not nearly as good. 'Cause they have talent on that side of the ball. And in all honesty, man, Patrick Peterson has just looked like a shell of himself this year. <laughs> like it's it's honestly embarrassing how much film I have watched on him and he's just getting toasted. And to me, it's just it's hurtful to watch, man, cause Pat P was for a long time a guy who I considered Extremely talented You know and Arguably the best corner in the league Is he still talented? Yeah of course I mean, You can't lose what you have And what you are But What you can lose Is that knack For knowing something Or when to react And instinctiveness Like that stuff Can go away And he just doesn't seem to have it right now And th- even despite all that I still believe that offense is well heavy-powered enough to take them to that land. I think D-Hop is the best receiver in the league. I don't think it's close at this point. I think Kyler Murray is as dynamic as a quarterback as you'll ever see. Strong arm, athletic, can create plays with his legs. Not the biggest, not the strongest, but he, he gets it done, man. He gets it done And they have other playmakers Like Christian Kirk Fitzgerald is still doing it You know Even despite that He's 100 years old And see like out there Chase Edmonds Kenyon Drake The offensive line Is better than what They're giving credit for I think these guys Are legit When they side of the ball If the defense can, can Just continue to grow And start to mold I think they'll I think they'll be Very good man I think they'll be A dark horse for real My next question comes from Raquan. Who do you think is going to get a loss out of the Colts, Dolphins, or Browns out of the next few games? Well, I think the Browns and the Colts and the Dolphins could all potentially lose, to be honest with you. But the guys who I think has the greatest chance of losing, I want to say the Browns. Because they have Pittsburgh left on their schedule. And they they just have not looked good against the Steelers, man, in recent memory. They just haven't. I mean, if the Browns can mess around and beat the Steelers, then they'll, they'll make me a believer in them, for real. I think they're good. Now I just got to see them beat caliber playoff t- teams. Only caliber playoff team i really seen them beat this year and Convincingly to me was the Titans, and I've already said their defense is is horrific. But other than the Browns, I think the Colts will be next up because they also have the Steelers on their remaining schedule, and they they've been struggling with some with some inferior teams, man. I mean, it, it took two goal line fumbles to for them to sneak past the Texans without one of the games without Will Fuller, so. It's kind of not good, <laughs> but they won nonetheless. What offseason moves do the Falcons need to take, and are the Falcons cursed? Well, for one, I don't think the Falcons are cursed. I just think they are—they were bad coach. It was bad coaching. They have talent. They truly miss Kyle Shanahan, man. Ever since he's left, that team just took a huge left. It's, it just hasn't looked the same. And what do they need to do? Listen, I'm going to say this one time and one time only again. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. I say it as much as you all ask me to. But, for real, the Falcons will not win until they realize they have what they have in Matt Ryan. Even in Julio Jones now. In Matt Ryan, you have a good enough guy to win you some games, but he's not good enough to get you over that. He's a lot like Matthew Stafford. And people have written off Matthew Stafford now, man. Despite the fact that Detroit is one of the most discombobulated and poorly ran organizations in the league, people have written off Matthew Stafford. They think he's, you know, a guy who never lived up to that potential, to his talent you know, he's ultimately a bust. He doesn't play well against other good or great QBs. Well, what the hell about Matt Ryan? <laughs> I mean, what has Matt Ryan exactly done to persuade people to believe he is still deserving of a, of a starting job on this team? What, an MVP season and a blown Super Bowl? Okay. Kyle Shanahan is one of the best offensive minds in this league. He put that team in a position to be as, as successful as it possibly could be. And they still couldn't pull it all out. They couldn't do it. And ever since he's left, Matt Ryan has put up numbers. But if you go back and you watch the tape, a lot of these numbers is because he has to throw the ball 50 times a game. He has to, to even make it competitive. He's throwing the Falcons out of games some games. And he is one of the biggest reasons why the team takes sacks. He takes too long to get in and out of progressions, even as a seasoned vet. He's never been the most athletic guy. So it's it's not like he can extend plays. Pocket presence has always been a bit iffy for me. It's, it's better than average with him. But even with Julio Jones, like I said, Julio, at this point, you know what you have. Explosive receiver, yes. Dynamic talent, Yes. Can you depend on him all 16, though? That's been the story of his career. Can you depend on him all 16? I mean, how long, how many games has Julio played all, how many years, I should say, has Julio played all 16 games? I mean, what, maybe, maybe two? I mean, he's a season vet receiver. He's not getting younger. He's not a spring chicken. And even the season games he has played off 16, he's always played through some kind of injury. And to be honest with you, these drops he be having, man, the drops he be having, it, it's starting to it's starting to rub me the wrong way as, as a supposed best receiver in the league. It's starting to, man. It really is. It really is. I think at this point, man, they need to cut their losses and just rebuild completely. I think... I think Calvin Ridley and Russell Russell Gage has came in and they have absolutely lit up the Falcons offense without Julio. And it makes them expendable. You know, I think guys will be calling and if they get the right price, they should absolutely pull the the trigger on it. Okay, this next question comes from Benjamin E. Cruz. He has three questions. Actually, I'm going to answer them in in order as I read them out. Where do you think Eric Bellamy coaches next season? Okay, this to me Eric Bellamy will either find himself with the Atlanta Falcons, which I've already said, a team that has shown that they are their best with a HC that is a offensive minded coach and puts the offense first, you know, cuz their defense plays any defense will play better with a lead, but their defense will play much better with a lead, as we've seen in recent memory. Or the New York Jets. I think even the Texans would be a consideration to me, but I think he will want to go to one of these more demolished teams because he will have more control of what he can make the team. He can mold it into what he wants it to be. Now, the Jets is a bit of a reach because they don't have much talent there. But I think those three teams, all, all honesty, are his best bets and most likely landing spots. What team would Stafford play for next season? Whew, man, it's tough. I think it's two teams come to my mind instantly. In the division, the Chicago Bears. Like I said, this team is a quarterback away from being legit. Even though Stafford hasn't lived up to the potential that we all thought he could be, he is still night and day better than Mitch Trubisky. You get Matthew Stafford on the Chicago Bears, they're three times better already. Already. They are. And the second team that comes to mind, to me, is the Denver Broncos. I know I know they I know they're still growing Drew Locke. I know that, you know, he has a lot of potential upside, this, down, the third, but listen to me. There are some games and there are some people that you just look at and you say, you know what? This guy just ain't it. Drew Locke is one of those guys, man. He's just like to me, he's just like how Daniel Jones is to me. He, I don't need four years to tell you if a guy isn't it. I just don't think Drew Locke is it. I I think he's a, a very fun guy to watch when he like doing you know, his little antics, dancing, and rapping on the sideline and stuff. But if the if the Broncos truly want to take that next step, to me, they let they they evaluate how well Drew Locke plays these remaining three games, despite the fact that with all the injuries, I know Cordarrelle' Sutton has been out, but despite all of that. Evaluate his play and see where he is with his progressions and reads. And then you go from there. And his final question, which playoff team is bound to lose to a lesser opponent? Oh, I love this question. I absolutely love this question because it's two teams. I'm going to give you two teams from both conference, Benjamin. One, first team, Pittsburgh Steelers AFC. And I say this because of this reason. The Pittsburgh Steelers' offense is so one-dimensional, man, to the point where it's highly predictable. Ben Roethlisberger does not have the arm strength or durability or the the play style he once had, so he's getting the ball out quickly. And these guys, like Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith, Chase Claypool, they're not consistently coming down with the ball as much as you would like to see. It's just not. And without a running game, teams are not going to respect that at all. So they're going to play the pass. They don't believe in your running game. They don't. James Conner has not been it. McFarlane, I believe his name, Anthony McFarlane, I think that's his name, hasn't been it. Snail, he ain't it. You know, you just, you got to accept what you have. And they have, and they're living and dying by being Roethlisberger's right arm, which isn't a bad option because he's a very capable quarterback, and he's shown he's won. But you got you, you to be able to win games, man, with running the ball, too. Just like with the Dolphins this past week. Salvin Ackerman had a game, him and Matt Breida, if I'm being honest. And they just completely controlled the possession Time. The game was honestly closer. I mean, the game was on, honestly a bigger defeat and more lopsided than the scoreboard indicated. Man, if it wasn't for a bad decision by Tua in the in the end zone, I mean, in the red zone, I should say, and a missed field goal by Jason Sanders, this game would have been easily at least twenty four six, twenty four nine. Something like that it, it would've easily been that But It just It just shows man That This The running game is essential In any offense you wanna run It is And to me the Steelers are bound For a disappointment Disappointing lose Cause the man Hey listen them, them bottom three wild card teams In the AFC The Colts Right now it's the Colts Browns and Dolphins That they're Hey These are not teams <laughs> that you could just write off. These are good defensive team. Two of them really good defensive team and two of them run the ball extremely well. And one of them just came off a really great running performance. So you write those guys off if you want to. And then the NFC, Seattle Seahawks, man. Listen, at the end of the day, I don't care who you are, I don't care who you got at quarterback, I don't care who you got at receiver. If you can't stop nobody on the defensive side, you will always be in shootouts, and it will always, almost always, come down to the last possession. Almost always. And I'm telling you now, if the Seahawks have to see the Washington Redskins, man, oh my goodness. With healthy Alex Smith, a better decision maker, oh my goodness. Hey, <laughs> it might. It, it that might break some Seahawks fans' hearts, man. I, I hope it don't come to that point because I want to see the Seahawks at least make the NFC Championship. But, man, it could get ugly. It could. That front seven and Terry McLaurin against that Seahawks defense. It's hopefully, if Antonio Gibson comes back, oh, my goodness. Yeah, it could get real dirty. <laughs> But that's it for the show Thank you all for tuning in again To Last Word Productions Thank you all And y'all have a good day